Hello and welcome to another episode of Working Overtime, the bi-weekly advice-focused rustic campground to working scenic caravan park. I'm your host, June Thomas. And I'm your other host, Isaac Butler. So, uh, June, other than caravan parks, which I assume are a British thing, I don't know, what are we talking about today? Well, funnily enough... We're taping this episode in July, and since I and a lot of my friends and acquaintances have been on family vacations recently, I wanted to explore how we can use that particular kind of break in our creative practice. I'm talking about a very specific kind of holiday here, the kind you take with lots of family members, multiple generations of them, if that's possible, in your clan, or perhaps when a bunch of unrelated people rent a house together, It's not something I've done very much in my life. As a non-parent, I usually just go on a trip with my partner. But I did do the we're all in a big house thing recently, and it was very different and actually kind of useful. So I wanted to talk about it today. Isaac, your daughter is still pretty young and your family lives relatively close. So I'm guessing that you are a veteran multi-generational family vacation person. Is that correct? June, it's interesting that you bring this up because I actually just got back from a huge multi-generational family trip that my family takes once a year. But it's not only my family, it's actually a bunch of families. The membership of the vacation has changed over the years, but the vacation itself, the annual vacation, predates my birth. What? Yeah, isn't that crazy? That is crazy. I also just want to take a moment to appreciate what is clearly an immense talent for friendship that your parents have. So how do those vacations usually play out for you? Are these a sort of communal adventures with the focus on the group rather than the individuals, perhaps especially with kids? Mm. But are you generally able to use these kinds of holidays to move along your creative projects? Well, this year, my wife tested positive for COVID on the first day of the trip and had to leave it and go somewhere else. So I was solo parenting along with helping to watch all the other kids. Mm. And I had plenty of help from people. People were very generous about that. But as you can imagine, this was not a year for working on creative projects. Yeah. There have been years where I worked every day. I've set aside three hours Mm. every day and continued working or I've brought a book that I need for research that I think will also be fun, you know, you know, I've done like that sort of thing. But this year, even before my wife tested positive for COVID, I had made a pact with my therapist that I was going to use this vacation to recharge and not do work, only read things like novels that I thought I would really love, you know, maybe watch some Wimbledon, just (laughs) really prioritize what brings you joy. And I almost fully successfully did that, except I filed a piece for the Times opinion section like right before the vacation started and it's time sensitive. And so when the line edit came in, you know, I said, okay, I got to go for an hour and go work on this and did bring my laptop on the vacation, (laughs) which I hate, 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 hate doing. What about you? Oh, the idea of leaving my laptop or some kind of computer, even if I don't have work planned, that makes me sweat with anxiety. Oh, no, June, just bring your tablet. Leave the laptop at home. Just bring your tablet. It'll, it's, it's really life-changing. Yeah, actually, I did do that on this most recent trip. As I said, this isn't usually how I vacation. But, yeah, I went on a long weekend in a big house with a bunch of friends, old and new. And, yeah, I found it very stimulating creatively. So 
much so, in fact, that I want to talk through some of the things that struck me. And obviously, I now realise I'm speaking with a genuine expert on this. But obviously, right up top, let me stipulate that a huge point of taking a vacation, whether it's a family vacation or any other kind, is to recharge your batteries, spend time with the people you love, generally take a break. So all of the strategies we're going to discuss today are quiet, calm background processes. Mm. I am not suggesting that you turn a vacation into a work retreat or just move your work sessions to a different location. This is about vacations. I suspect that one of the reasons this recent break felt so revolutionary to me was that I didn't have anything else on my plate. Uh, there was no work hanging over my head. I was all caught up. I was waiting for edits on my book. I didn't have any working interviews coming up that I needed to prepare for. So my mind could wander. I am also very aware that for all kinds of reasons, Americans are the most underrested, under-vacationed people mm. in the first world, you know? And I wish it were possible for more people to take a break. I was lucky enough to grow up in a country that really prioritizes vacations. We didn't even have an indoor bathroom in my childhood home, but we took a week's vacation at the seaside every year. British people would have to be in desperate straits before they would miss their annual holiday. That isn't the tradition in America, but taking time off is important for your creative work, whether that's a sideline, a dream, or your jobby job, if you can swing it. Yeah, I mean, I, I personally think the way we do it here in the States is insane. I mean, yes. it's an insanity that has seeped deep into my bones. So even if I moved to Denmark, I don't think I could take August off like all of <laughs> continental Europe does. But, you know, and I should say the, the insanity isn't only in my bones. It's, it's baked into, you know, how all of these industries work. This is a yeah. systemic problem. You know, if you're having trouble taking a vacation, it really is not your fault. Just to give one example, you know, my deadlines for both my last book and the current one I'm working on are aggressive. I imagine yours were too. They kind of have it built in to how they work that you are going to be working on the book all the time, maybe six days a week, not taking breaks, not really going on vacation. And look, that is not my editor's fault. My editor and I, you know, we get along really well. It has nothing to do with him. It's that's what the industry demands. He would get in trouble if he didn't do that. I would get in trouble if I didn't do that. And honestly, on top of that, the art we make rarely pays well enough for us to take, you know, five years writing a book instead of 18 months or whatever. So yeah. it really is is tough. The system here is set up in such a way as to make it very, very hard to take vacation, even when you have structured vacation time. Yeah, absolutely. So I do live in Britain, but I still work in America and I'm American very much in my, my work habits. And, you know, I will share a conversation I had with a friend recently. Uh, she's an academic. She writes books, uh, you know, for academic presses. And she said to me, well, why don't you kind of push it off to next year, which, you know, wasn't realistic. But one of the reasons I didn't want to do that was I don't get paid until I deliver the manuscript or yep. the manuscript is accepted. So, yeah, it is built in indeed. And that's a really good point. OK, I promise we really are going to talk about some of the ways you can get help with your creative projects while on a family vacation after this break. 
Hey listeners, Isaac Butler here. Look, do you have any tips or advice or questions about the creative process? You know, get in touch with us and share it with us and the world. You can email us at workingatslate.com or even better, you can call us and leave a message at 304-933-9675. That's 304-933-WORK. Please get in touch. We love hearing from our listeners. Thanks. All right, back to the show. And we're back. So my first idea here is that you can use your vacation crew as a focus group. I'm not suggesting that you should come in hard with a PowerPoint presentation or hand out a 10 page survey at the first dinner. But there's a lot of time for conversation at this kind of gathering. And if there is ever a bit of a lull in the chat, by all means, bring out a few questions that you're pondering. These can be literal questions. You can assess people's level of familiarity with a particular topic, see which bits of a story they respond to. Or you might just take this opportunity to try out your elevator pitch for your book or test their response to your framing of a particular topic. Look at Don Draper over here. (laughs) Would you like to see my presentation? Uh, Is this something you've ever done, Isaac? No, it's never even occurred to me, June. I mean, this is a really (laughs) fascinating idea, but I I will say there's an informal way, right? Like when once you are really deep into a project, you think about it all the time and it often becomes the only thing you can talk about. And so in that way, yes, I've done that, but I've never done it in a, you know, focused way, brought the little dials, you know, the audience (laughs) response dials so people can tune in and tell me Mm. what they think. There's one recent way that that is different though, that I will just bring up. My mother turns out to know a lot of people connected to specific parts of the story I'm reporting out for my next book. So my Mm. next book is about the religious rights war on American art in the 80s and 90s, and particularly with the NEA. And mm. one of the the big kind of story beats has to do with this posthumous Maplethorpe retrospective that was canceled at the Corcoran in Washington, D.C., and moved a few blocks away to the Washington Project for the Arts. Well, my mom was on the board of the Washington Project for the Arts oh. right after this happened. So she knows all of the players in the DC art world that were involved in this story, many of whom have passed away, I should say. So we have a lot of conversations where she's like, you know who worked at the NEA who you should talk about, or you know who you should talk to is this person. And and so that has come up a lot, but not the kind of thing that you are talking about. Wow. Okay. Another idea. You can also turn your creative dilemmas into a group project. People really do like to help. So if you're having trouble finding a title or coming up with an example to illustrate something, get the whole house involved in solving your challenges. They might really help. Yes, I think that's true. But I will say I have real problems socializing my creative work with my family, to be honest. Mm. I get a little, Mm. I I don't know, I get bashful, I think you (laughs) could say, which, you know, you're laughing because the idea of Isaac Butler being bashful, I think, is, is somewhat surprising to you. It's not the seven dwarf I would have picked, no. Yes, yes, sneezy, sneezy, right? (laughs) Yeah, there you go. And it's also ridiculous on a second level because not only am I an extrovert, but, you know, all the people on this vacation are very supportive and very enthusiastic about my work. You know, they want to know what I'm up to. They want to talk about it with me. And I would say that I do this kind of weird dodge where I kind of do something, say a kind of self-deprecating joke and then change the subject. You know, it's like standoffish but friendly at the same time. And I'm not sure why. I do that. You know, I am very proud of my work and I've worked very hard to get to where I am. I think to some extent it's that 
I spend so much time talking about myself <laughs> in my daily life. You know, I just don't want to come across like an egomaniac or something. I, I, I don't know. Honestly, Isaac, that is such a refreshing instinct. So I applaud you. Another thing I really enjoyed at this group vacation that I was just on was just hearing what other people are reading. You know, not just the books, though that really interests me, but also what magazines or newspapers mm. or internet sites they keep returning to. Using your family as a focus group, I already feel a bit guilty even saying that. It might seem like exploiting them. But, you know, think of it as fair exchange for all the cooking or washing up or driving or whatever it is that you're doing for them in the course of this vacation. It's fair exchange, I say. I can hear your guilt already. I can hear it in these <laughs> preposterous justifications you're coming up with. But I do think that, you know, obviously most of us are going to go on vacations with people who read because we read, right? I mean, those are the yeah. kinds of environments we came up in. And so it is always interesting to know what people are reading. You know, my parents are in like three different book clubs. And every oh. time I see them, I'm like, what are your different book clubs reading? Because that's interesting, right? You know, wow. another friend is always reading nonfiction work of history. This time she was uh, reading a book about the the Bukud's door, right? You know, called Knives at Dawn. It was really fascinating to hear about that. You know, it's like my older brother's listening to fan fiction, you know, read for him, you know, like a, a reading a document while he goes about his day. You know, wow. th that kind of stuff is just, it's fascinating. It's one way to understand, you know, not only people, but the world that your work is going out in. No kidding. Well, we'll be back with one final round of questions and advice after a break. Listeners, it's me, Isaac Butler, again. I know you really missed my voice in the three seconds since you last heard it, but I do want to remind you that if you are enjoying working overtime, please subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Uh, and hey, if you listen on Apple Podcasts and you like this show, we would really love it if you would rate or review it. It helps new listeners find us, which helps grow our audience, which means we can do more advertising, and it means that the show will last for longer. And if Overcast is your app of choice, please hit the star to recommend this episode to others. All right. So you're at the big house or the family camp or whatever. You definitely have tasks. Everyone needs to eat, drink and be entertained. I'm sorry. You didn't have your chief of staff, your uh, your house manager set up your Montauk uh, mansion. Here's the with... thing, Isaac. I gave her a day off. I gave her oh, a week shit. off. So no, that I was, was all on my own. No. That was your problem there, June. You <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> well, when you're on vacation, it's very easy to default to phrases like, recharge your batteries or take a break. In fact, I know I used those very phrases earlier in the episode, but what does that mean? How do you recharge your creative batteries? Does staring into space do that? Do you come to these family holidays with a stack of books, with lists of questions you're going to ponder? What do you do? Well, first I peel back the part of my neck that exposes the USB port and then I <laughs> plug the USB into an outlet and that usually works. No, I mean, yes, I always come to this holiday with a stack of books. I mean, my wife always <laughs> makes fun of how much of my suitcase is books and I never read all of them, right? Because you have to bring a bunch of options. I'm not like our mutual friend, Dan Coyce, you know, at the beginning of every beach holiday, he posts a photo of the stack of books he's bringing yes. with him. And I think he really does read like one a day. I'm not as fast a reader as Dan. I read three, well, two and a half books over the course of this this week-long trip you know got some plane rides in there you know it gets done uh, I also enjoy watching movies which I did not do a lot of on this trip but that I think is is really useful but you know it's uh also important that you know the other thing you're actually recharging is your relationships that's mm. the other thing that's really important and not only on a selfish level does that 
creatively recharge you to be, you know, social with people and talking to them and, and really doing the kind of deep interaction that a week at a, or a long weekend or whatever at the beach allows. But, you know, you're also recharging those relationships themselves. So I spent a lot of time in the pool with my daughter and my nephews. I cooked Aww. with my younger brother. I played Mexican train dominoes with my parents and niece and extended family late into the night. And, you know, all <laughs> of that is really important because when you're really deep in the shit on a creative project for writers, I would say for us, it's like, you know, the last six weeks before the book is due, for example, or when you get the uh, copy edit, <laughs> which uh you know stuff like that your friends are going to be lucky to get an email that's longer than two sentences you know like yeah. you're really going to be in a cave so it's important to take those opportunities when you have them to really invest in those relationships oh that is so nice i love that all right so i admit i did not come to my recent group vacation prepared no slideshow? No, no slideshow. I didn't have my prompts for introspection on my list of created challenges I wanted the group to help me with. But I really want to do that the next time around. It was like super helpful to see how people responded to the way I summarized my book and to learn which aspects of lesbian culture, which is the subject of my book, they were unfamiliar mm. with. But tell the truth, Isaac, do you think it's a bad thing to go into a vacation with an ambitious agenda or even to use your family members or co-vacationers this way? Well, if you're thinking about it like using them, you know, if that's the way you're framing it and designing it, obviously that's a fucked up thing to do because those <laughs> people are there to have a vacation too, not to do unpaid yes. labor, right? Yes, so the yes. question is instead, how can I grow closer to and have good experiences with these people that I care about mm. in a way that also nurtures the creative work that I'm doing. Now, that might not mean you're doing a focus group with them. That might be, <laughs> you know, when we watch a movie at night, it might be something relevant to the project you're working on. Or yeah. June, you might want to be like, let's watch the incredibly true story of two girls in love or, you know, exactly. to get a historical, you know, lesbian film or, you know, the watermelon woman or, you know, you know, something like that because it's related to to lesbian culture. Or it might mean you have these kind of in-depth conversations with people uh, about your work. I will say it's probably better not to just spring it on someone to just be like, <laughs> hey, um, you know, there's this part of my book I'm having trouble with can I ask you about it and get them to say yes you know so that way Consent, they don't feel yes. put upon and they don't feel used and they don't feel exploited and like all you actually care about is work and they're just a vehicle for that because it's not true it, it is possible to do both at the same time with integrity I think oh that is inspiring Isaac and there's nothing I can add to that so that's all the time we have for this episode but let me leave you, listeners, with one last piece of advice. I think you should subscribe to Working, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have ideas for things we could do better, or questions you'd like us to address, or anything you'd like to tell us, really, we'd love to hear from you. You can send us an email at working at slate.com, or give us a ring at 304-933-WORK. If you'd like to support what we do, sign up for Slate Plus at slate.com slash working plus. You'll get bonus content, including exclusive episodes of Slow Burn and Big Mood, Little Mood, and you'll be supporting what we do right here on Working. Thanks, as always, to producer Kevin Bendis and to our series producer, Cameron Drews, who both deserve frequent and utterly rejuvenating vacations. We'll be back on Sunday with a brand new episode of Working, and in two weeks, we'll have another Working Overtime. 
Until then, get back to work. 